They said lowering drug prices was a fight we couldn't win. The big drug companies have billions of dollars and an army of lobbyists. But AARP stood with our 38 million members and forced the drug companies to lower drug prices. It's a victory for all Americans. But Big Pharma won't give up, so neither will AARP. Join our fight at aarp.org slash fierce defender. That's aarp.org slash fierce defender. Hi, I'm Frank. I don't like change. And I just saw a billboard for this new BJ's Wholesale Club talking about up to 25% off grocery store prices. Oh, really? What's wrong with paying full price, huh? No, sir. I would not join BJ's Wholesale Club. Let's agree to disagree, Frank. Say you do want to sign up to get a $40 digital BJ's gift card. Join the new BJ's Wholesale Club, opening soon in New Albany. Visit BJ's.com slash New Albany or the BJ's Membership Center on North Hamilton Road. Limited time offer, new members only.
everybody. Welcome. Here we go. Happy Thursday. It's Matt Connerton Unleashed. And we are live from the studios of WMNH 95.3 FM in glorious downtown Manchester, New Hampshire. Hot, sticky, humid downtown Manchester, New Hampshire. Also on Comcast 97 if you're here in Manchester. And hello to all of our online listeners across the nation and around the globe. You can go to my website, mattconnerton.com, for all of your live streaming options, social media links, contact info, show archives, etc., etc. Today is a Thursday, June 9, 2022. Uh, the song that we heard to open up, that was Eli Howard and the Greater Good. And the track is called Wildfire. And uh, that is the uh, the current single from Eli Howard and the Greater Good. And we, in about two, uh, about 10 minutes, are going to be speaking with Eli Howard live here on the program via Skype. And he is going to be on uh, via Skype uh, by way of our friend uh, Billy Painter helping us out with that. So uh, that's... Uh, going to be nice because the phone line will still be open that way so the studio line will be open and so if you have a question or a comment or anything at all for eli howard while he is on the line with us uh, you will be able to uh, interact that way so we look forward to that Uh, eli howard going to be uh, joining us in a little under 10 minutes here on the program today um but i love that track wildfire he's got a great voice i love the guitar work so really looking forward to speaking with him he is from the uh the Pacific Northwest, Oregon, I believe. So um, so that's going to be really cool. Uh, by the way, I do want to remind you, of course, we are proudly sponsored by the Hopknot. And today is Thursday, which means tonight is Trivia Night, which is an enormously popular feature there at the Hopknot. Uh, they posted this on social media today. Uh, the Sun finally decided to make an appearance today. We had a, 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 some terrible rain earlier here. Uh, outdoor dining is back at the Hop Knot. Join us for some great food, delicious drinks, and some fresh air. Don't forget Trivia Night with Bill Sini tonight and every Thursday. Like I said, that's a very popular feature. Uh, Bill does, of course, trivia every Wednesday on the morning show with Peter White. And then Thursday nights, you can uh, see him live and participate at the uh, at the Hop Knot. So it's a, it's a popular feature. Make sure you um, either you get there early if you're going to do that or call ahead to make a reservation because those tables fill up quick. Eli, is that you? Hello. Ah, success. <laughs> how are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, my man? Doing, Glad to be here. Doing well, doing well. So uh, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Eli Howard of Eli Howard and the Greater Good. And uh, I am really looking forward to talking with you. So uh, uh, our friend, uh, our mutual friend, Billy Painter, connected us. And uh, I love your tunes, man. I listened to that song, Wildfire, and I actually had to listen to it a few times in a row. That is really good. And I know that that's the current single uh, that is uh, gaining a lot of traction on platforms like Spotify, correct? Yeah, it is, man. We've been pretty lucky, and sometimes a good song hits you. I wrote that with my friend Andrew Fulton from the band Magnolia Bayou. It's kind of a true story. In 2020, early September, my town, Malala, Oregon, kind of got surrounded by this whole group of wildfires. It was kind of scary. And uh, the house that I grew up in, one of the fires was headed, like, directly for it, and Luckily, my parents got to keep their house, but it was pretty hairy there for a minute, or actually like a week. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I wondered as I was listening to it, and the, the lyrics are such that it, it really uh, paints a picture. And I'm, <laughs> I'm listening to it the first time, and I'm thinking, this sounds like 
I don't know. It's weird. It's almost like you can kind of tell listening to it. At least I could. It, it, it sounds like, uh, like it's a true story. Like you're not, this isn't something that you imagined, but this is based, you know, kind of like Smoke on the Water by Deep Purple. You know, they actually yeah. saw uh, what they describe in the song. They actually saw that happening. And, and you really, um, you know, you, you really bring that to life with the lyrics in Wildfire. Um, yeah, I would imagine uh, where you are. I mean, is this a... Uh, I don't know where exactly you're in Oregon, correct? Correct. Yeah. Is that a, a common, I mean, do you see that where you are in Oregon? Do you see that every year? Do you see wildfires? Yeah, but I think this was one of the, one of the worst because we just had such a dry summer in 2020. Yeah. And then the wind was just happened to be blowing really, really hard for like a week. Oh, okay. And it just, it just, it was a really, really bad combination. And, we just finally, I think a week later, we finally got some rain, but like the townsfolk had to kind of get together. We come from kind of a timber oriented industry here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the stoppage of the fires was through kind of almost like vigilanteism. These people got their cats out and started making a fire line and stuff like that. And Oh, wow. You know, where, where there's a, where there's crisis, it breeds humanity. Mm-hmm. That's a good insight. And I saw a lot of people kind of pull together and, you know, it had it not been for the people of the town, I probably wouldn't, you know, I'm sitting in my parents' house right now talking to you guys. Yeah. And, uh, luckily I am because there's a good chance it might not have been. And it was kind of, it was weird because, you know, I was, I was 31, 32 when that happened and I rolled up at about three in the morning and I saw my dad standing outside and it was the first time in my life. My dad clearly didn't have the answer on what we were supposed to do next. Which <laughs> was a little bit unnerving. Yeah. That's interesting too, because I, 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 uh, that's a good insight because it's kind of like that thing where no matter how old you get, you, you, you kind of still have that sense of you look to your, you look to your parents, uh, to the adult in the room. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And when the adult in the room is kind of shrugging, like, boy, this is, this is really bad. I just don't know. That's yeah. That's, um, that's unsettling. Wow. Um, yeah, I can only imagine. And, and that's part of why I'm so interested in that too, is, you know, I've, I grew up in the Northeast when I was a kid, I would spend the summers in Chicago, but uh, I've never been any one place for an extended period of time where that was a threat, you know. And it seems like as right. the summers get hotter and drier, that part of the country, it's um, it, it it seems like uh, every year it's uh, th- these fires are are just more and more severe. But um, yeah. wow, but it's a it's a yearly thing for sure. Just this one was a little bit closer to home than I like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you got a good song out of it. Do, do your parents like the song? Uh, I don't know. I haven't asked him yet. I don't know if the, I gave him a copy of my record, and uh, I think the shrink wrapping's still on it. <laughs> no kidding, really? Yeah, my parents. I grew up in a house that, like, I didn't know till I was like a full blown adult that people like listen to music while they clean the house and stuff like that. Like, my dad told me he's listened to talk radio since he was like twelve years old. I didn't grow up in a musical home. No kidding. Wow, that's um. That's unusual in my experience. You know, I've interviewed a lot of musicians, and most musicians either either uh, they, their parents were musicians to some degree, or there was just always a lot of music in the house, and that's what tends to inspire, I think, uh, people to, you know, music infects you at a young age because your parents expose you to it. Um, so that's interesting. So um, neither of your parents really into music at all, it sounds like? Uh, my mom only listened to music when she was driving in the car, and it was only top 40 country radio which i guess was great in the 90s when i was growing up <laughs> i mean my dad 
My dad just kind of, I think he just thought music was just kind of like racket. I'll be damned. You know, wow. He liked, he liked to listen to talk radio and current American events. Yeah. Or I guess, I guess whatever echo chamber the radio was putting out at the time. <laughs> right, right. Whatever, whatever point of view that guy wanted to stuff down the listener's throats. Sure, sure. So what happened? What uh, because obviously something broke through. You didn't you didn't get that exposure to music from your family. So how did you get into music growing up? Oh, when I was little, I uh, I know this probably sounds weird, man, but uh, my parents always both worked really really hard and they always worked really long days. And uh, we used to have to go to this daycare all the time. And I don't know why, but like this daycare had a lot of movies stacked up on the shelf, and I don't. know what it was, but I think I've seen the movie Back to the Future like a million times. And when, McMar when Marty McFly played Johnny Be Good and like saves the day and everything, I was like, man, that dude's awesome. Like, <laughs> I want to be him. And it's like when the loser kind of like became cool. Uh -huh. And ever since then, I was like, man, I, if I could just get a guitar in my hands, like I would be set for life. And I was hooked ever since then. And uh, my dad's sister, she played piano from a young age but oh. she called she always lived really far away like she lived in seattle yeah so i only saw her once a year yeah but uh i don't know if you're familiar how familiar you are with seattle there's like this uh paul allen he kind of co-founded microsoft with bill gates i think he's okay uh he made this museum it was like the experience of music project it was kind of started as like a homage to Jimi hendrix and then it just spread out through all music yeah it's just it's like run under the space needle, this, this museum. And my aunt took me there like the first or second day it was open. We just happened to be spending a week in Seattle with my aunt and she took me there and I must've been nine, 10 years old. And that's when I really was like, Whoa, like this is, this is like wonderful. This is for me. Like I yeah. never really fit in with sports and stuff like that. And yeah. You know, and then when I was 12, my dad did actually, he did get me a guitar. So, I mean, it, mm -hmm probably much to his detriment, but he, uh, <laughs> there was this pawn shop that he would drive by every day when he was on his route for his work. And I got a Christmas or for Christmas, I got my first guitar when I was 12 years old and it was all over from there. So, uh, that's when you started playing 12 and then, uh, do you, yeah. what, what, now what about, what about singing? When did, did you sing right from the beginning as well? Yeah, I guess I, I've always sang because, uh, I mean, I always liked music. So, like, in church and stuff like that, I always sang. And, you know, we had a Christmas program always in school, and I liked singing. Mm -hmm. I've always liked performing, I guess. But yeah, it took a while for me to get to the point where I was like, I wanted to do both. And I've only been front of the band for a year. I was always just the lead guitar player in other bands that I played in. Oh. And then uh, one during covid one of the band I was in, we broke up and I was like, well, if I want to do this, I can do it on my own terms. If I just front the band, now I can be in charge of whatever the hell I want. I can do or not do whatever I want. Right. Right. And yeah. It, it, definitely it's definitely not regretting it. it. It's funny too, that, that you, that you say that, that, that prior to that you would, you know, you'd always just been the guitar player because, um, I was really struck by your voice uh, listening to oh. listening to Wildfire because I, I was like, you've got I, I don't know, you just have a cool voice and it's not easily identifiable in terms of you know a lot of people you listen to them and you think okay I yeah that kind of sounds like this person or that person but I just I I um 
And I think, by the way, your voice is part of what helps deliver those lyrics in a way that paints that picture where I'm thinking, you know, this sounds like it's based on a true story. But it's but I also I couldn't I couldn't directly relate to your your voice to anyone, which is cool because it's like, okay, he's he's got his own sound. And uh, no, I like it. I like it. And, uh, you know, I love the guitar work. I You know, I didn't just listen to that. Obviously, I listened to a bunch of songs we're going to play after we're done talking. We're going to play Piece of Work, which is a great song. And I really like oh. the I like the sense of humor that you bring to the lyrics in that. That's really good. Thank you, man. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. Um, are you guys, uh, are you on tour a lot? Uh, it looks like you've got a lot of dates on the website. Yeah, we're always playing. The busier I am, the happier I am. Yeah. I I mean, I don't really get, I don't have any other hobbies or like things that give me enjoyment, but playing music Mm -hmm. every time, I'm happy. And so I do it as much as possible. And luckily my band is kind of in the same headspace. I got a rocking band and we really believe in what we're doing. So Mm -hmm. we just try to stay as busy as possible and cover as much of the united states as we can within reason you know it's kind of yeah. tough right now gas is getting a little up there in price and <laughs> a little bit our van doesn't exactly get the best fuel mileage oh yeah yeah that is uh that's tough with a big vehicle like a van by the way uh billy painter in the chat room says uh i told him i thought he sounded a little like john lennon actually yeah i can hear that i can hear that um i like yeah dude the deals are great i've always I think uh, about the time I must have been in seventh or eighth grade, I got a copy of Yellow Submarine. Yeah, and uh, that was my that was my introduction to the Beatles, which I guess is a really good way to get into it. No doubt, no and doubt. Sar- and Sergeant Pepper's, I got them both at the same time. Oh, okay. And I want to say I listened to Sergeant Pepper's first because there was that. Dun, 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 <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, th- these guys are great. Like these aren't like when I originally thought of the Beatles, I thought of like the early, almost like poppy sound and stuff. Oh, the mop top stuff. Yeah. Like I want to yeah, hold your hand. And then and... I hear that. I was like, well, these guys rock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, for, for me, the Beatles, um, you know, I like the more and more as they went along, uh, in terms of, um, I mean, I wasn't alive then, but when they started, obviously, but, but I just mean in hindsight, of course, I don't want people to think I'm like a hundred years old, but, um, no, but like, you know, going back, I like the, the stuff they did toward the end better than the stuff they did at the beginning, you know, like the, the, the mop top era stuff isn't not, I mean, it was groundbreaking at the time, but it's not really what, you know, it doesn't really grab me, but I love like rubber soul, I think is a great album. And, you know, I, I love the later stuff. Um, you know, yeah. And just what they did in the studio. And I mean, they're just they're innovative i mean yeah who, who like oh who, go ahead who's who who else influences you uh eli because you've got an eclectic sound uh you know the the songs like wildfire has a very different vibe than say um you know piece of work and it's it's you know just listening to some of the other tunes on the uh and we should uh say the album is uh uh end of the line which is um a, a relatively recent release, I think, right? Is that did, did that come yeah, out? Yeah, late February. Okay, yeah, came so, out in February. So it's pretty new. Um, but yeah, the songs, you know, they they all have uh, their own sort of character. So I'm I'm curious. I mean, you sound like somebody who probably has a a pretty uh, wide mix of influences. I I very much do, and I wanted it to be very apparent. I think a lot of musicians kind of inadvertently pigeonhole themselves. Mm-hmm into this one corner so then when they do something that when they try to grow they're almost discouraged by the listeners so i wanted to be very clear out of the box that i do whatever the hell i want yep 
Yeah. Because I, I, I like more than one style of music. I don't just like country. I don't just like rock and roll. I mean, I like disco. I'll, I'll listen to jazz. When we go down the road listen, in the van, there's, I mean, nothing's off limits. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Leon Russell fan. I love gospel music. I I love Skinner. I love Nirvana. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the Beatles and I like the Stones. I like it all, man. There's not much that I can't derive inspiration from. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I was a huge, uh, folk music is huge to me. Like mm-hmm. my mentor, his name's Dave Dickey. He wrote two of the songs that are on my album. That he actually wrote End of the Line, the title track. He's the man that taught me how to play guitar. Oh. And when I was, you know, 16, 17 years old, he had me playing not only his folk songs that he wrote, but, you know, he showed me about John Prine. He showed me about mm-hmm. Neil Young. He showed me about Commander Cody and mm-hmm. stuff like that, that, you know, I was lucky to get that sort of uh, tutelage under, a you know, under someone where a lot of people, you know, I, I got exposed to that at a pretty early age. Mm-hmm. Luckily, you know, a lot of people don't get that, you know, right. kind of stuck with whatever you're raised by. And he liked everything. Like, I started out, I was a big Hendrix and Zeppelin fan. That was kind of like, because I was, I wanted to be a guitar player, so I wanted to be like Jimmy Page. Yeah. And my mentor, Dave's like, yeah, that's cool. You know, those guys are great. I listen to them. But, like, how about some stuff like this, too, with, like, lyrical substance? Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't just pigeonhole yourself into one corner. He was very adamant about that. And now that's, I, I thank him for it. Yeah, no doubt. That's cool. You you know, you use that word mentorship and and that's um so important. You know, I, I think probably most musicians don't really have someone who kind of sits down with them and helps guide them and, and makes sure that they get exposed to a lot of different kinds of things and, and have an open mind. I mean, yeah, most, most musicians I find like a, a wide variety of music. Um, I certainly do, you know, I'm a bass player and, you know, I, I always say I don't trust people who only like one genre of music because that's just strange. But, <laughs> but um, I think, um, you know, yeah, mu- musicians generally like a lot of different kinds of things, but not everyone has the advantage of, of having someone really mentor them who's making sure that they're exposed to things that they might not have otherwise known about or people they might not have even heard of necessarily, but who can be a very positive influence in terms of developing your musicianship as you go. So that's really cool. And it's cool, too, that he's got uh, songwriting credits on the album. That's awesome. Yeah, well, my album's actually, I don't know if, on the physical copies on the CDs, if you open it up, the album's dedicated to him, too. Oh, that's awesome. Very nice. Yeah, he's yeah, I, I wouldn't be here doing this if it wasn't for that guy. He was one of the most important people in my life. Old Dave Dickey. He's a he's something else, man. That's cool. That's cool. Is he um is he uh, active? Uh, like, do, does he work with other musicians or like what's his? No, uh, he was just a close close friend of my dad's. He's a he's just turned seventy years old. Yeah. So he's a. He probably could have been, if he had applied himself, I'm sure he could have been Neil Young or John Prime, but instead he decided to be a farmer and a dad. Yeah, yeah. Well, we need farmers and dads, that's for sure, so. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, he raised three pretty awesome kids, so I think he <laughs> I think he did what, uh, he followed his heart, and so I told him it's my mission to, that after both of us are gone, they're still singing his songs, if I have anything to do with it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Hey, by the way, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the van, 
uh, and the, the, the cost of, of gas, of course, associated with that. But I saw something on your website when I looked at your site, and I, I, uh, I don't know how recent it was, but you were the, the victim of a robbery of sorts? Yeah. We were in uh, Dallas, Texas, and we rolled up. We were in the middle of recording our second record. And, uh, yeah, we rolled up one morning in Dallas, and our van and trailer was gone. We had uh, every single instrument was stolen from us, and it, none of it was recovered. Other than our van, our trailer is still MIA. And, I mean, we were pretty stacked on instruments. All our in-ear monitors, our merch, everything was stolen. Oh, this was, was Yeah, that was one of the worst days of my life. Wow. Um, did, uh, the police ever find anything? Well, they found, they arrested a guy who had our van. I, I don't know if that's the guy that stole it, but they, uh, <laughs> they never did find the trailer. By the time they recovered the van, it was unhooked from our trailer and nowhere to be seen, unfortunately. So, I, uh, I lost some pretty sweet guitars. My keyboard player lost a Hammond B3 and a Leslie. <sighs> I mean, on down the line, my bass player had this beautiful Cabernita candy apple red fender bass yeah oh that's terrible uh, wow yeah oh that sucks yeah that's that's a that's a bad day um were you able to sure. uh, were you able to, to replace everything I, I you know i i think you i thought i'd seen something about you were trying to raise money to replace everything is that is that maybe that's an ongoing process i don't know it's ongoing i mean i'm i still have a long ways to go to get us back where we were we can put on a show now don't get me wrong yeah yeah and it was a good lesson for me in doing a lot with a little because you know we don't have a hammond anymore we don't have you know i'm kind of at the mercy of whatever amp was given to me i kind of miss miss my old deluxe reverb i used to have and you know it was all in, we had flight cases for everything i mean just on and on and yeah my cowboy boots got stolen out of the van. You know, I learned I learned a lot about. Uh, that was a good test of how bad do you want it? Because not only mm-hmm. did we finish that tour, we added four dates to it. We honored every single date. Yeah, no, that's good, and that's you know that's that's what it takes. You know, no matter what, no matter what happens, you keep uh, you keep moving forward. But oh, I'm sorry that happened to you, though. That's that's uh, that's terrible. Um, it did. It sucked, man. But you know, it's uh, it was really, really horrible for about two or three hours, and then over the course of the remainder of that day, my phone died like three times with people wanting to help us. And I walked into Guitar Center that night in Dallas, Texas. I bought a Nord keyboard for my keyboard player and a stand. I bought a DI for my bass player to just run direct. He didn't even use an amp the rest of the tour, and we had enough huh. gear put together to uh, finish our tour thanks to. Uh, the band Kenny Fiedler and the Cowboy Killers, they happened to have their van and trailer in Texas, and he said, hey, my van is 100 miles away from you. Go get in it and finish your tour. Wow. And then uh, the, band Nick Sterling, the band Nick Sterling and the Nomads, they lent their van and trailer to us, too, for the last leg of the tour, and uh, we honored every single date. And by the time we got back to Texas to make our way to Oregon, the company Flat Rock Trailers in uh, Waco, Texas, stopped production and built us a trailer to order and sold it to us at a wonderful price and now we have a brand new trailer we have we've been able to recover or replace some of our gear and not all we're not where we were yeah but like i said we got enough to put on a rock and roll show i'll be damned you know that's that's really cool the way people uh stepped up and helped and you know it's it's kind of it's kind of one of those things and i'm sure i'm not saying anything here that you haven't already thought about obviously but it's it's um just one of those things where it's like you know something something 
so bad like that happens and and it's like you know it, it's it's crushing and then all these people come come to your aid and it kind of restores and and maybe even improves your uh your sense of faith and humanity you know when when uh, oh yeah that's that, that was two or three maybe bad people that stole from us and then like a hundred people wanted to help us yep and like i said earlier about those fires you know in crisis breeds humanity exactly yep there's, you know, it's, uh, there's, there's, I, I can't replace you know i i felt pretty low mm-hmm. but nowhere near as high as i felt when i saw the outpouring of help i mean yeah left and right people wanted to help us i mean right down to the the place in Rockwall, Texas that did all the repairs on our van and made sure we had it by the time we circled back to make our way back to the West coast. I mean, people just came out of the the woodwork to help us. It was remarkable. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's good. That's good. It's, it's got a story's got a happy ending, which is nice. Um, and, and as far as touring, have you been all over the country or are you, uh, like, like we talked about, it's tough right now with, with the gas prices, but I mean, how- yeah, I mean, on that tour where we got robbed, we went clear to the East coast and back. Oh, we no were kidding. In, I mean, we were at Myrtle beach, South Carolina. So I mean, oh, we wow. could have been any farther from Oregon. Yeah. We played, we played two dates in Georgia, a few in the Carolinas. We played a couple in Texas, Alabama, a couple in Louisiana, uh, we went to Seattle towards the last leg of the tour. We went to Idaho. I mean, we're uh, we're anywhere they'll have us. We'll play. Yeah, no, that's that's excellent. Do you, do you, is it always a full band, or do you ever uh, do you ever do solo shows? I love doing solo shows because a big. Yeah. I'm a huge Todd Snyder fan. Okay. So I love telling stories, and when I play like listening room shows, and I can kind of control the pace. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, so I love doing solo shows. I. I try to do them during the week when my, you know, we try to reserve Thursday through Saturday for playing. And if I can do solo shows Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that's, uh, I'm happy. The more I'm playing, the happier I am. So if I can go out and do solo shows and go out and talk to people and, you know, go play, I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's excellent. Excellent. Um, so end of the line is the, the current CD. Are you already, you know, a lot of, uh, songwriters are already thinking about the next, uh, the next album. Uh, are you, uh, are you thinking about the next one already or are you focused on end we're, of the line? We're in the middle of, rec- we're in the middle of recording it when we got robbed. Oh, that's right. You mentioned that. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So you're, yeah. Al- so you're already on to the next one. <laughs> we got drums, we got drums, bass and keys tracked okay. for the next one. Oh, cool. Excellent. Excellent. Um, you probably don't have any kind of an ETA on, on when the next one is yet. Do you? No, not yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not yet, man. I don't have, I mean, we don't have nothing yet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I just, I noticed a lot of bands on our circuit. They wait two, three, sometimes four years in between albums. And I was just, I had songs and let's go, let's go work on them. Right. Right. (laughs) I know a little bit more. I think I'm, I'm think I'm hitting my stride a little bit better as a writer. And yeah, you know, I'm a little, I've experienced another couple of years more of life since we did the last one. So yeah, why not? Plus, I mean, I just, I love all facets of music. Recording is probably one of my least favorite things about music other than getting robbed. (laughs) Yeah. But to me, it's all like a conduit to I can get out and go play these songs live. Right. That's where, like, that's where I l- really love because our live show packs a punch. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting on like two or three live recordings. I really want to do a live album. That's like my dream. It's been a bucket list item of mine oh. for years. And I'm, 
I have one mixed. I just need to master it. And I really, really like of several people that have gone out and saw us live. They're like, man, your album's good, but your live show. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I've, it's, it's on my list of things that I want to accomplish before I croak is I want to do a live album. Yeah, no doubt. Well, you've got a couple. I, I saw some live clips on, uh, on YouTube, but, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, that would be, that would be great. Um, a live album. Yeah. Well, you know, you've, you, 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 you put it on the list. It's hard to do it all. And of course, when, you know, when you're a songwriter, songwriters are always writing and, you know, sometimes it's, um, <laughs> sometimes songwriters have more ideas than they have time to even, uh, even record. But, um, <laughs> Who now? It, as far as the band, is it is the the band that you record with? It's the same band you tour with, all the same guys. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. I I made it. I took a while for me to get the guys that I wanted, but I've always told them I don't want my band to be a revolving door. I don't want you know. I know some people that have like two or three drummers that they pull from. It's like I got this guy this week. It's like that. That ain't me. I don't. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want the same consistent guys because for me, like. My live show is like one two hour long song. Mm-hmm. We're a well rehearsed, like well oiled machine. Like we don't just play a song and stop, and so on. And I don't think you can get that when you got fill in players. Like for me, it's just I want everything to flow. Mm-hmm. And I think you know we've been after going on the road and doing this for you know we we're gone a little over a month. I mean I think we can play our set in our sleep. Yeah, yeah. Like, when we got our van stolen, we got all our set lists stolen. I just, well, we don't use set lists anymore. So, I I mean, I think we could honestly do this set in our sleep now. Yeah. Well, it's good to have two of the same guys, you know, when you're uh, when you're traveling around and you're touring. You know, it kind of becomes like a family. And you don't want to be cycling people in and out, you know. Y- y'all get, you, I don't. Y'all and get, there's some people that operate that way. And, what I mean, if they make that work, that's cool. Yeah. But that's just, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. Y'all get used to each other, working with each other, traveling with each other, being stuck in a van with each other, and then to, to have to, yeah. you know, bring somebody new in who wants to do that. So I think uh, I think that's amazing. That's uh, that's excellent, and I I hope uh, I hope that that continues with that uh, stability. Um, that is Thank uh, you, man. that hope is I great. like my guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Yeah, I want to start over. Well. Um, Eli, uh, so uh, what do you have coming up? Do you, you know, we, we have um, people who listen online from around the country. So do you have, uh, like, when's your next show? What do, you, what do you have coming up that you want people to know about? Uh, well, we'll be in Redmond, Oregon tomorrow at the Gambler 500 after party. Okay. It's about 100 miles from where we live. And then the next day we'll be in Bend, Oregon at a place called Silver Moon Brewing. And then the week after that we're going to stretch out a little bit. We're going to hit Pocatello, Idaho, Thane, Wyoming, uh, Whitefish, Montana, and then Gillette, Wyoming. Okay. And then we're going to go home, and then I think we're going to do, we got this event in Pendleton, Oregon, called the Jackalope Jamboree, which is great, dude. I get to do a show with uh, Reckless Kelly, which is a band I absolutely love. Okay. And uh, where else are we going to be? I'm just kind of naming these off the top of my head, so forgive me if I sound out of order. Uh, we'll be in Ketchum, Idaho, at a place called Whiskey's. And then we got a day off. We're gonna go over to uh, we're gonna go over to Highway Thirty Music Fest, and I get to go watch Turnpike Troubadours. We aren't performing that night, but mm. I just I wanted to go see Turnpike. I haven't got to see them yet, and I'm happy they're back together and for the right reasons. You know, they got sober. You know, they're. It's not just that they're back together. It's like they're back together for the right reasons. 
That's cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got a lot. You got a lot on your calendar, and of course, it's all on your website too. We should mention, uh, and it's uh, it's yes. a nice. I'm kind of a website geek. I really like the website. I, I like the nice. It's a, it's got a nice clean layout, which I like. Um, EliHowardMusic.com, and of course, you got the social media links on there and everything. So I suggest uh, everyone check that out. Oh, by the way, too, where does the name? I love the name Eli Howard and the Greater Good. Where, where does the name? Is there any kind of a story with the name, or or is it just something that occurred to you and sounded cool? Because it's a great name for a band. Dude, I was I was listening to a podcast and I needed a name and I'm like I'm really bad about like writing songs and stuff like that. Like I don't I don't write music or come up with anything fantastic until inspiration's basically slapping me in the face. So I was like, Well, I need a band name, but it'll come to me when it comes to me. Yeah. And I was listening to this podcast and I think it was Rogan, he said like this is you know, and when you're doing something for the greater good, I was like, Bingo, that's it. Yeah. Oh, and I mean that's really that's that's it. <laughs> It's great. It's just a. It's just such a cool name, man. I love it. I love it. All right, uh, Eli Howard. Thank you so much, my friends. We're gonna let you go, and we're gonna uh, wrap up the segment with. Uh, I'm gonna play this uh, track, and I mentioned it earlier. I love this. I love the 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 humor of it too. Uh, piece of work. Great, great song. But uh, that, that one's got a. That one's got probably my favorite story behind it of all the songs I wrote. Oh, can you tell it? Do you have time to to tell it? I would love to. I would love to, as long as my mom isn't listening. So, uh, (laughs) my best friend hit me up on a Wednesday afternoon one time. He said, "Hey, uh, Saturday night, I'm going to come over," and he said, "Uh, "I'm going to bring some psychedelic mushrooms with me." Mm -hmm. I said, "That sounds great, man. Let's do that." And he says, "You're going to cook dinner. I'm going to bring these mushrooms with me." So. and I had the chord progression for that song, which usually I never write the chords first. It's always like a lyrics or a melody that hits me first, and then I just kind of build chords around that. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, man, all, all I got to do is like just, all I got to do is write the lyrics to this song. I think I could be a millionaire. So uh, he says he's going to bring these mushrooms over. I'm thinking, well, shoot, that's all that I'm going to need. I'm going to eat these mushrooms, and I'll be creative enough to just slip back into my back room, and I'll like, this, the lyrics are going to beam to me in five minutes. Done deal. I got the song. So he comes over and we eat and he gives me these psychedelic mushrooms and I eat them. And like 45 minutes later, it becomes really obvious that I'm not going to be writing any songs that night. But instead we watch like the movie Avatar (laughs) with all the aliens and and then I I took my dog for a walk Yeah, and uh, I really felt, I found the meaning of life that night and uh, I was laying there, it was like this big battle scene was popping out and in the movie and I was just I was laying there on my couch upset with myself because I didn't write the song that I wanted to write and I just said man you're not a work in progress you're just a piece of work <laughs> and then I was like bingo yep. got it yeah and I <laughs> and then a couple of days later I wrote the song oh I love it well hey that's that's fantastic and that's a much you know to get a great song out of uh, something like that is you know much less tra- traumatic uh, than you know like a, a giant wildfire that's uh threatening your parents home so that's good <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh yeah we hit both ends of the spectrum on this album we uh we got a, a wide range of things that we uh touched on right right that's uh that's fantastic all right eli howard uh thank you so much and of course thank you to our mutual friend uh billy painter for connecting us uh yeah. we'll, we'll uh we'll have to do this again in the future and uh love the music uh keep going uh it's it's Great stuff. And uh, like I said, I'm going to play a piece of work, but uh, we'll let you go, my friend. And uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, man. All right, man. Take care. Yeah, bye. Bye Bye-bye. 
All right, Eli Howard, and uh, we're going to play this, and then we'll come back. Gonzo is here, and uh, we'll see what kind of trouble we can get into. But here it is. This is Eli Howard and the Greater Good. This is Piece of Work from the album End of the Line.
to the Hop Knot at 1000 Elm Street, Manchester's premier craft beer and gourmet pretzel bar. Tell us more, Trudy. We make our dough fresh every day. We make a variety of styles of pretzels and serve craft beer, cocktails, and a few bottles of wine. We do the traditional pretzel, and we have multiple flavors for that. We also do stuffed pretzels, pretzel sandwiches, free dessert pretzels, and pretzel knots. The Hop Knot in the Brady Sullivan Plaza at 1000 Elm Street. 